Taking charge of your future starts with taking the first steps. And saving up to $30 a month on Cox Internet with the Affordable Connectivity Program makes those steps easy to take. Whether they bring you to click upload on your first short film or join now for an online book club. Applying is easy. See if you qualify at cox.com slash ACP. Non-transferable one per household application and eligibility decisions are made by the FCC. Be dazzled this holiday season by Northern Virginia's largest drive through light show at Bull Run Festival of Lights. Celebrate the holidays as a family while staying warm and cozy. Drive the festival route from the comfort of your car. Turn off your headlights and just follow the magical glow through two and a half miles of dazzling displays in Bull Run Regional Park in Centerville, Virginia. Plan your visit now. When you visit by mid-December, you'll save. Get your tickets today at BullRunFestivalOfLights.com. That's BullRunFestivalOfLights.com. You're about to experience a life-giving message from Bishop Kevin Foreman, pastor of Harvest Church. One church in global locations. To find out more about Bishop Foreman and Harvest Church, visit our website at www.harvestchurch.church. Your faithful giving is how we continue to bring life-giving messages like these to you. Give online in our mobile app or text the word giving to 59769. Remember to love God, love people, and love life. Have y'all been enjoying Bad Boys? Listen, it's been a powerful series, and uh, I'm so excited about today's word. It's going to be good for you, especially about what's coming to you the next six months of this year. But many people, listen, I need you not to let fear, anxiety, and panic get you worried about the first six. Say the last six are going to be the best six months of this year. Come on, I need you to act like you mean that. Say the last six are going to be the best six months of this year. Say, this is still going to be the best year of my life and the best decade of my life yet. Bible's up. Let's make our confession of faith together. I'm ready to hear. Then do your word, which I'm about to receive, which makes all things new. In Jesus' name, amen. So, Father, speak to us now. We yield to you. What does that mean, Father? It's not about our will, but it's about your will. So today we ask that you speak to us strong. Speak to us with clarity. Speak to us with power. God, give us the grace to do what we need to do after we hear this word. And we honor you for it now in Jesus' name. Can I just get you to take 10 seconds right where you are before we get in this word? And let's just fill the atmosphere with some worship, with some adoration, and some praise. What is that? Tell him how worthy he is, how awesome he is. Adore him for just a moment. Put a praise on your lips for just a moment. Come on, 10. Come on, do it, Atlanta. Nine, everywhere, everywhere. Eight. Come on, he's worthy. Seven. Come on, Denver. Six. Come on, Miami. Five. Come on, I don't care about who's around you. Open up your mouth and shout right there. Four. Three. Two. One. Say, Lord, I'm ready to receive. Let's go to work. So our series, guys, is called Bad Boys. We've been using men from the Bible that had to conquer their enemies while simultaneously conquering their enemy. And this is how life works for you and I. We don't get either or. We get both and. And you have to learn how to multitask. You got to learn how to deal with you and an enemy at the same time. How to deal with your emotions and an enigma at the same time. How to deal with your challenge and, watch me, 
what's going on around you at the same time. Most of us want either or, and that's not how life works. In fact, understand this. For every problem that you beat, it means you're going to see progress in your life. So I need you to not look at multiple problems as a negative. I need you to look at multiple problems as a good thing. I need you to make this declaration and say, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Why is it a good thing, Bishop? Because if I'm dealing with multiple problems, that means God is simultaneously giving me the opportunity to have multiple areas of progress, which means for every area that was stressing me, it's about to be blessing me. For every area that was wearing me down, it's about to take me up. From every area where I felt like I was being conquered, God is making me more than a conqueror. If you believe that, say yes, Lord, right there. So listen, we started this series with King Saul. He was the first king of Israel. And when you are the first, you do not have the luxury of seeing the mistakes of somebody else. Whenever you're a pioneer, you are often going to have to take beatings and bruises others won't have to take. Be grateful for those that have gone before you and paved the way for you because they paid a price that you didn't have to do. All you had to do was walk in the path they created. Can we just say thank you for just a moment for everybody that's ever paved the way for you, for everybody that's ever set a standard for you? Because what they did was deal with what you would not have to deal with. So is the first king of Israel. So he doesn't have the luxury of seeing another king. He doesn't have the luxury of seeing the mistakes not to make. And this is important because for you and I, for most of us, we are doing things to be the first one in our bloodline. For some of you, you're the first one to graduate from college in your bloodline. You're the first one to get out of debt in your bloodline. You're the first one to go to church in your bloodline. You're the first one to serve in church in your bloodline. Watch me. You are the first one to break curses in your bloodline. And whenever you are the first, I need you to know that it's a little bit rougher for you, but I need you to know your grace to do it. Somebody say, I'm grace to do it. I'm grace. I need you not to wait for somebody else to get it done because you don't want to deal with the pressure of being number one. You've got what it takes. Say, God's got me covered. Come on, y'all. Say it like you mean it. Say, God's got me covered. Saul, he's the first king, and the Bible describes him as the most handsome man in Israel. However, he's a man that deals with deep, deep, deep insecurities. He is insecure because he spends all of his life focusing on what people pointed out. And you have to be careful that you don't allow people to misdefine you. I'll say it again. Because people will point out what's most, watch me, what's best for them about you, not what's best about you. See, when they were looking at King Saul, they were saying to him, he's a handsome man. So consequently, everybody focused on that. But that also made Saul think that was the only value he brought. And for some of you, you have literally been uh, putting yourself in a box and putting yourself in restraints because you think you only have the value to do one thing. But I need you to know, watch me, because you're a curse breaker, you've got the value and the ability to do multiple things at the same time. Don't you let anybody tell you you're just a great mom. No, you're a great mom and a great boss and a great this and a great that and a great father. Whatever it is, somebody say, I can do multiple things at the same time. Don't you let anybody put their box on you because they'll try to shut you down and tell you you don't have the ability to do all of it. Listen, the Bible says he makes us kings and priests. That means we are spiritual and successful. Don't put a box on me and tell me I can only be spiritual and not have success. And don't tell me I can only have success and not be spiritual. Somebody say, I can do it all. Now that's important to understand because Saul only focuses on his outward appearance. So consequently, he thinks the only thing that matters, look at me, is how he looks, not who he is. He thinks the only thing that matters is how he looks, not who he is. So he spends all of his life focused on making sure things look good, but he never actually spends time to make things good. And that's a dangerous place to be in life. Somebody said that's dangerous. 
It's dangerous because, listen, you will promise one thing, but then when people deal with you, they'll get another. You watch me. You some of y'all, you have been guilty of false advertising because you put yourself out there to be something that you weren't because you wanted to look like it, but you weren't that. But I prophesy to everybody under the sound of my voice that you are literally not gonna have to just talk about it. You're gonna be about it. You're gonna walk it out. It's gonna manifest in your life. Somebody holler results right there. I need you to type that on the screen. Say results, 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 results. You're not just going to look the part, baby. You're going to be the part. You're not going to have to play like you're happy. You're going to be happy. You're not like going to have to play like you've got joy. You're going to have joy. You're not going to have to play like you got peace. You're going to have it. Saul, he is insecure. What does that mean, insecure? He never did anything in him in order to secure him. And there's the danger. The danger is this. If there's never anything you do in you in order to secure you, then what that's going to do, watch me, is that's going to cause you to think that everything is all about appearances only. And it's not about appearances only. It's actually about the internal structure to deal with something. Bring me a chair. Now, I need you to see this. Say insecure. Listen, most folk, I need you to hear me. In order to know that you're insecure, God has to throw something in your face so that you can see that, watch me, that there's an area of insecurity, which is an invitation to correct that area. Listen, go ahead and sit in the chair. Sit in the chair. All right? So when he sits, now, now listen, why'd you sit in the chair? You didn't hesitate. You didn't think twice. You just sat in the chair. Why? Because you are secure that the chair can hold you. You feel secure that the chairs can support you. Got it? Check this out. Here's what insecure means. Stand up. Here's what insecure means. Sit in the chair. Here's what you do. Here's insecure. Okay, sit in the chair. We got, we got to go. We got to go now. Look at me. What are you trying to say? When you are insecure, you will spend all of your time investigating instead of doing. You will literally spend your life uh, dealing with the paralysis of analysis, but never enjoying the accomplishment of arrival. And I need you to make this declaration. Say, I will not walk in insecurity. Saul was only concerned. Leave it right there. Saul was only concerned about how he looked, not who he was. So consequently, here's what we deal with. He's irrational because insecurity makes you irrational. That means your decisions don't make sense. So check this out. Using this chair as an example, here's an irrational thing. And if you think about it, all of us have done it. So you're insecure about the chair, but here's what you'll do. But you'll stand on it. See, you already know that, friend. The reason you're insecure around them is because you already know they can't be trusted. But yet you'll invest a whole lot into them, hoping that it'll be something different than what it is. Your decisions are irrational. They don't even make sense. So you won't sit on it, but you'll stand on it. You won't trust them in your house, but you'll trust them in your car. Y'all ain't going to talk to me. Irrational. Here's the second thing. It makes you indecisive. You'll spend all your time trying to decide what you're going to do, but you will never actually do it. How many of us can be honest? You spend a lot of time thinking about what you're going to do. You spend weeks and days and months and years thinking about what you're going to do. You just don't actually ever get over into it. Then it makes you irritable. It makes you have mood swings. Your mood will swing from one extreme to the next. And you talk about I'm hungry. You, watch me. Sometimes, but sometimes it's insecurity. What does that mean? When you feel like you don't have control, you get irritable. What is irritability? It is an emotion. What is an emotion? Emotion. 
E out of motion change. So when things change and you think you lose control, you get irritable as a way to try to regain that control. And so listen, you use your little stinking mood to try to shift the whole atmosphere. Y'all ain't gonna sit in to me. You use your little attitude to shift the whole atmosphere. And somebody say, well, what's wrong with you? I'm fine. Well, you need to tell your face or get up out the place. Shut your doggone mouth. Some of y'all need to learn how to tell people, you get your little attitude together or you can get the heck up out of here. Ain't nobody got to put up with that. All right, here's the fourth thing. Here's the fourth thing. It makes you insubordinate. And this is where Saul messed up. Because King Saul, he disobeyed God's instructions that were given by the man of God, Samuel, two times. How many times? Two times. Even after God had given him a second chance. So God gives him instructions one time. He disobeys. God says, I'm going to take the kingdom. Then as a way to redeem him, God says, let me give you another battle. Look at me. Sometimes a new battle is actually God's opportunity for you to redeem how you messed up the last battle. I need you to look at a new battle. Watch me not as a punishment, but as an opportunity. Come on. I need you to look at a new battle. You say, you know what? Maybe I didn't get that right in February, but if I got another battle in June, baby, watch me handle this one and watch me win. I need you to prophesy over your own life. Say, it's time to win. Y'all ain't saying it like you mean it. Lay your hands on yourself and say, it is time to win. I prophesy I'm no more lost this last six months of this year. No loss in revenue. No loss in opportunity. No loss in failure. Holler, no loss. So listen, even after God gives him another opportunity, he still doesn't listen. He openly defies what God told him. And because he's insecure, we talked about this in the earlier messages, he literally lies. He said, look, I have done exactly what the Lord told me to do. And Samuel, the man of God, says, you a lie. No, you didn't. You did not do what I, to, what, what I told you to do. He says, yes, I did do what you told me to do. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. No, you didn't. Okay, well, I didn't do it. Stop. Insecurity, because you're so worried about how it looks, you will lie to protect it. Y'all ain't going to say, you will lie to protect him. You will lie to protect it because you don't want anybody to see what it really is. And, but guess what? God can't heal a lie. Mm. God can only heal what's real. And I need you to stop trying to fake and pretend to make other people think it's something and learn how to be real so that you can walk through life healed. You're not going to repeat the stuff of your bloodline. You are the interruption to the dysfunction in your bloodline. You are the curse breaker in your bloodline. You are the history maker in your bloodline. Somebody say, I keep it real so I can be healed. Don't you ever be ashamed of your story because your story is where God's going to get the glory. Listen, listen, don't you ever feel ashamed out of your test because your test is where you're going to have your greatest testimony. But Saul lies. Saul lies to protect him, to make it look a certain way. Then he finally admits, he's like, okay, fine. I did do it because I was afraid of the people. Then look what he says. But now come honor me in front of the people. When you are insecure, even when you are wrong, you want people to lie to make you right. So, so, so listen, the danger of insecurity is you eventually start to believe your lies. You start to believe it really is everybody else's fault when it's yours. You start to really believe. JFK had a quote. He says, don't pray. Uh, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm probably not saying it and articulating exactly how he did. But he says, uh, instead of praying for an easier battle, pray to be a stronger man. In other words, watch me. When you're insecure, you will literally alter the truth so that the issue is the battle, not your strength. The battle ain't the real problem. The problem is your strength in the battle. And I need you to lay your hands on yourself and say, I got strength. Come on, come on. I need you to let the devil know everything he's thrown at you ain't going to work. Lay your hands on yourself and say, I've got strength.
So listen. So listen. God says basically to Saul, hey man, I love you. But I'm going to need that seat up off of you. Every seat you don't respect is a seat that has to be taken. Every opportunity that you dishonor is an opportunity that has to be taken. Can I be honest with you? Most people don't appreciate anything until it's taken from them. And you have to, we have to be the opposite of that. We have to learn how to appreciate everything. Can I just take five seconds and can we just have a thank you, a th listen, old school testimony service, but it's going to be fast old school testimony service. Because some of y'all old school testimony service, they get up and for the first 15 minutes, they're giving preliminaries. Giving honor to God, pastor, friends, deacons. I want to talk about what Deacon Johnson did for me. Baby, we did not ask you all that. Listen, listen, has God done anything for anybody? I want you to just type on the screen one thing that God has done for you that you're thankful for. Come on, I need you to put some thankfulness in this atmosphere. Put some thankfulness in the chat. Fill your house with thankfulness. I realize you might be dealing with some battles, but I need you to be thankful. I need us to let God know we're appreciative, that we are grateful. Come on, say, God, we are grateful, and we are thankful, and we're appreciative. We're grateful and we're thankful and we are appreciative. You've been better to us than we have had the ability to be to ourselves. Say, Lord, I appreciate every opportunity you've given me, every seat you've given me. I honor it right now in Jesus' name. Saul doesn't honor the throne. So the Bible says that it is taken from him and given to a neighbor of his that is better than him. But here's the trip. God gives Saul 14 years to repent. What does it mean to repent? He says, Saul, you said you're sorry, but I know you're not because you didn't change your behavior. Everybody look at me. The best apology is changed behavior. Amen. Being sorry is, is that, that's cute, but the best way in biblical repentance isn't, Lord, I'm sorry, Lord, I'm sorry. What did you do to fix it? Because if we're still having the same conversations in June as we were having in January, you're right, you are sorry. We shouldn't be having the same conversations. For some of y'all, that's a word right there. Because you keep going over the same stuff with people and not realizing, listen, they told you what they were. You sitting here praying for discernment. You don't need discernment. They told you. They are sorry. <laughs> but I pray that the last six months of this year, you get some folks you ain't going to have to keep repeating the same conversations with. Somebody say, yes, Lord, I received that. So, so, so 14 years. 14 is two cycles of seven. Two cycles of seven. Seven in the, in the Bible is a number that means completion. So God gives Saul two cycles of completion to repent, and he doesn't. Because insecurity, remember, it's irrational, it's indecisive, it's irritable, and it's insubordinate. What are those four things? Irrational, indecisive, irritable, and insubordinate. Everybody look at me. Here's why that's important to understand. Because for those 14 years, that's what Saul was. So every time he had an opportunity to get it right, he became irrational. Uh, no, since, listen, look at me. Since things aren't that bad, I must be good. Look at me. Since God's still providing for me, he must not be disappointed with me. Y'all don't like that. Since God is still opening doors, he must not have an issue with how I handle the last door. 
And I need y'all to hear me. Don't confuse God taking care of you as his son or as his daughter, as him accepting what it was that you did that you got to repent for. I need every hand lifted right now and say, Lord, I repent. 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 I repent for thinking that way, for acting that way, for speaking that way, for thinking that way, for acting that way, for speaking that way, for thinking that way, for acting that way, for speaking that way. Shout, I repent. I said, shout it, shout, I repent. This is powerful because for 14 years, Saul is like, I still got the throne, so God must be good. And I need you to catch that because sometimes we think because things are good that nothing needs to be corrected. He's irrational, he's indecisive, he's irritable, and he's insubordinate. When Samuel, the man of God, ends up going on, he conjures up Samuel. He goes to a medium and says, bring him up from the dead. And Samuel says, what do you want? Why are you bringing me up? He's like, I, look, at, look at me. He said, things are good, but I can't hear God no more. He says, things are good, but I don't feel his presence no more. He says, things are good, but when I pray, he doesn't respond anymore. Y'all better hear me. Which is an indication the problem is with you. Because God was providing, but God was providing for the children of Israel because those were his people, which means he needed to protect his name. For some of you, if you're honest right now, listen, we might go, we might turn this into an old school service right here. For some of you, when I just said that, that hit you. Because things are good, but, but watch me, but it's not the same. There's a level of disconnect you have with God which is God's way of trying to tell you, I need you to get that together. I need you to get that together. I need you to, how many, let's just be honest, 11, 15, you know there's some areas where there's a little bit of a, th that connection, listen, it's like T-Mobile in the building. It work outside. <laughs> in this here building. Mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. Here, listen, I need everybody to stand. Come on, everybody to stand. Come on, come on, I gotta obey God. Come on, everybody to stand. I just want you to take 30 seconds right where you're at and say this prayer. Say, Lord, in these next 30 seconds, reveal to me what I need to correct and where I need to repent. I cannot have a disconnect with you in Jesus' name. Now, right where you're at, worship. Right where you're at, come on, worship. Right where you're at, worship. Come on, Denver. Come on, Atlanta. Come on, Charlotte. Come on, Miami. Come on, Chicago. Come on, Los Angeles. Come on, Canada. Come on, Dominican Republic. Right where you are at. Uh-uh. You need to know that he hears your prayers. You need to sense his... Come on! Come on, 1115. Say, I repent, Jesus. Say, I repent, Jesus. Say, don't take your spirit from me. Don't take your presence from me. Say, I need you, Jesus. Say, I need you, Jesus. Release a praise right there, 1115. I said, release a praise right there, 1115. You can be seated, watch. It says, and David became, here it is, because David replaces Saul. 
He loves Saul, but he says, I have to take the seat from you because for 14 years you stayed stuck in insecurity. So in 1 Chronicles 11 and 9, it says, and David, David is his replacement. What does the Bible say about David? And David became what? Greater and greater. Why? From battle to battle. How do you and I get greater? Battle to battle. Look at me. Most of us, we just want to fight one battle and be done. Let's just be honest. You ever just said to yourself, like, God, all in life is just these battles. Really? Only four of us? Okay, look. Look. That's how you get greater. You become greater when you deal with the gutter. <laughs> Say battle to battle. See, and here's the thing. The battles will shift. The battles will change. The battles will be different, but there's still battles you have to win. Look at me. Nothing's wrong because you have a battle. I need you to get that. Most people think, oh, there's just a lot going on, a lot going on. Okay, let me tell you what God's introducing you to. Greater. I need you to catch that. Bishop, you just, there's a whole lot going on in my family. Let me tell you what God's introducing you to. Greater. Bishop, there's a whole lot going on in my business. Let me tell you what God's introducing you to. Greater. A battle is an introduction to greater. And I need some of y'all that's dealing with a whole lot of battles. Say, it's a whole lot of great, a whole lot of great. Come on, y'all. Say, a whole lot of great. And David became greater and greater. What does that mean? Battle to battle. And for the Lord of hosts was with him. Look at me. Even though God was with him, David still had to fight. Sometimes we think that when God is with us, that means that God removes the fight. To the contrary, God just gives us the grace to fight. See, listen, listen. When a challenge comes, God will just give you what you need to overcome the challenge. He'll give you what you need to beat the challenge. That's how God works. God says, proof that I'm with you is not that I remove the battle. It's that I equipped you to beat it. Y'all miss me. Proof that I am with you is not that I got rid of the battle. It's that I equipped you to win the battle. Somebody say, I'm winning. Uh-uh, I need you to say it like you're actually a winner. Say, I'm winning. Now, look, this is David's first day on the job as king. And look what the Bible says. Now, these are the chiefs of David's mighty men who gave him what? Strong support. David's first day as king is very different than Saul's first day as king. We're going to look at that in a minute. David's first day, right after he's anointed to be king by the people, he was anointed by God to be king 14 years ago. The people didn't recognize it until 14 years later, which means people will always recognize what God has always done later. I need you to hear me. Don't let somebody's, watch me, lack of acknowledgement make you miss that you already anointed. Y'all ain't going to talk. Just because people aren't giving you the support, watch me, that you think you need, don't that, let that get you twisted and make you think God hasn't called and anointed you. Somebody say, everybody's getting ready to see. For 14 years, David had this call over his life, had this anointing on his life. He was anointed to be king by Samuel. And for 14 years, he dealt with battles and problems and issues, and it looked like it was for nothing. Until one day, it meant something. For 14 years, it looked like all of it was for nothing. Until on one day, it meant everything. I'm trying to prophesy to somebody today that for years, it may have looked like nothing. But in one day, it's going to look like everything. You're about to be so glad you didn't commit suicide. You're about to be so glad you didn't give up. You're about to be so glad you didn't throw in the towel. Somebody say, it's about to pay off. Uh Uh-uh, I need you to put that in the atmosphere. Say, it's about to pay off. Say, it's about to make sense. I'm so glad David didn't quit the day before they put that oil on him. You're going to be so glad you didn't send that email. You're going to be so glad you didn't send that fact. Y'all ain't talking to me. It's about to pay off. Somebody say, everybody's going to see it pay off. 
And for 14 years, for 14 years, it's nothing. And then all of a sudden, the Bible says that they anointed to be king. And now David, here's his first day on the job. Now, these are the chiefs of David's what? Mighty men who gave him what? Strong support. Listen to me. Do not expect strong support from weak people. You cannot expect people to do something that is not in them to do. Most of your frustration is that you're expecting something from people that's not in them to do. Proof that it's not in them to do is that they've had time and training and still don't do it. <laughs> it's quiet right there. They've had time and training and still don't do it. Some of y'all in some of these relationships, which should really just be defined as friendships with kissing. Because that ain't no relationship. That, that, that's cute. It's cute. All right? It's cute. Here's the thing. Bishop, what do you mean? Because the truth be told, the only thing y'all have in common is codependency. <laughs> neither one of you brings strong support to one another. How do you know, Bishop? Because neither one of you is better today than you were when you started. Y'all don't like that. And I promise you I don't care. Let's go. All right? All right? Say, Lord, help me not to expect Strong support from weak people. Look at me, especially those of you where you've had to be strong your whole life. How many of you, you like, Bishop, I've had to be strong. Like, I didn't have an opportunity to be weak. I had, listen, you, all my life I had to fight. Then before I got here, I fought. Then after I left, I fought. I had to fight death. <laughs> look, look at me, look at me. Let me tell you your challenge. Your challenge, please listen to me, is going to be finding people of the same level of strength. And if you're not careful, you'll be a David and not have the support you need because you accepted who was available. You didn't take the time to pray in what you needed. See, David had three chiefs of his mighty men. Say three chiefs. This is amazing. Day one on the job, it tells you about his team. Because for David to do what David did, he needed a team to do it. He needed people. And for those of us that have had to be strong all of our lives, here's what we do. I just do it myself. I'm good. Listen to me. But for what you're about to accomplish in your next six, it's going to take more than you. Please listen to me. Say, it's going to take more than just me. And I pray that the next six months, your strong support shows up. I need y'all to hear me because for many people, a lot of your challenges with God aren't because of God. It's because of your weak support. It's because of the weak family you got, because of the weak friends you got, the weak siblings you got, y'all like the weak co-workers you got. You are so busy trying to be strong that you haven't had the time to actually retool and reskill because you got to be your own support. But I prophesy support is on the way. Matter of fact, make it practical. Say, it's here right now. Say, Lord, open my eyes. Say, Lord, open my eyes to see my strong support. I feel like preaching at this 11.15. So look at this tripod. Somebody say tripod. So at the top of the tripod, I want you to pretend like this is David. David had how many chiefs of his mighty men? Three. Here's the deal. Everybody see this tripod? See, look. See how it stands? It may wobble, but it stands. Look, it can go through a little challenge, but watch me. But it's still standing. I need you to catch that. Somebody say it's still standing. It may rock and shake and shake and rock. But it's still standing. When you got the right support, watch me, you can go through pure D hell and, and still be standing. Let me go Bible for just a moment. 
That's why, watch me. Here on Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. One. But I got Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Baby, I got support. Even if it don't look like it, somebody say, I got support. You better learn how to call your support in the realm of the so look, hear the, hear the names, hear the names, hear the names. First Chronicles 11, 11. This is an account of David's mighty men. The first is Jashobim. This means people will return. Jashobim's name is a warning and it's an announcement at the same time. What's the warning? People will return. He says, back then they didn't want you, now you hunt they all up on you. So one of the first things that happens when you're getting ready to make progress in your life is old people show up. And you need to be okay with that. Somebody say, I'm okay with that. Here's the challenge. Just don't let them hold the ladder they dropped before. Because they've already proven they don't appreciate the privilege to hold it. So you don't give them a second chance to drop your ladder. Because here's the deal. When they dropped your ladder, they didn't care in th that you were on it. And so now you've fallen down. And listen, you got to break your own fall. And that's why some of you felt like, oh, God, it just felt like my life is about to be over. That's because somebody dropped your ladder. But I need you to say, but God lifted me up. Shit again, say, but God lifted me up. So Joshua, people will return. He's a hackmanite, and he's wise. So wisdom, the Bible says, in all that getting, get an understanding. Wisdom is the principal thing. So wisdom comes from the word. Wisdom comes from the word. Wisdom comes from the word. So here's what Joshua is saying, is that I need wisdom, and I need the word. See, this is why we talk about church and church attendance and, 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 and watching the messages and getting the word and getting the podcast. Why? Because you need Jashobim. For some of you, the reason that it seems like you've not had the support you need is because you consider the word, you don't do the word. Oh, that's a good word. Ooh, Bishop, that's good, sir. Mm, bah, 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 bah. Uh, 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 Gerber. <laughs> Infamil. Come on here. Similac. Glory to God. Hey, glory. Missy, missy. Hey, escalate. Come on. So, listen, but you don't do it. So what happens is you get excited about something you're never going to see. Because what you needed to do to see it, you don't do. Lay your hands on and say, Lord, I'm going to do it a word, not just to hear. Notice who the chief of the three is. Joshua Bean. Wisdom is the chief of the three. The word is the chief of the three. Which means when I get a word, that tells me what to do. Bishop, how have you been standing for 14 years? I had a word. Y'all ain't going to talk to me. Bishop, how have you dealt with pure D hell coming against you? How have you dealt with all of the challenges that come with your seat? I've got a word. How are you going to make it? And how have you been making it? Somebody say, I got a word. Oh, say, I got a word. I got a word to tell me I'm the head and not the tail, which means I'm not done until I'm at the top. I got a word that says he always makes me victorious, which means it ain't over until I got a win in my category. He always causes me to triumph. It ain't over because I got to 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 We got to This is the second guy. Now, but first, look at what he did. He took his spear against 300 and killed one at the same time. Which means when I use the word, look at me, I get to work smarter, not harder. One word killed 300 dudes. Which means, watch me, one word you obey. One seed you sow. Don't trip with God over no $140. 
Because one seed you sow might be the thing that opens up. That recruiter wasn't even going to look at your resume. Wasn't even going to look at your information. But something says, who is this? What is this? And your seed's getting ready to fight for you. I need you to open up your mouth and say one word. Big results. Say one word. Huge results. Big doors swing on small hinges. Baby, I don't need a whole lot of it. I just need to work what I got. Work what I got. Work what I got. Work what I got. Work, 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 work what I got. Here's the second one. Verse 12. And next to him, along with the three mighty men, was Eleazar. Eleazar means God helps. How does God send help? Through the son of a dodo. That's what his name is. Look, it's on the screen. The son of what? Dodo. Dodo means love. You've heard of the dodo bird? That's where we get the term love bird. They're ahohite, like a brother, which means the way God helps you is he's going to send you somebody that's going to love you like a brother that ain't your brother. Which means, notice, none of David's mighty men were his friends he grew up with, were his relatives that he came up with. None of his mighty men were people he already knew like that. I need you to catch that. Why? Because many times the reason we don't have the support we need is because we want the support from familiar people. You are fighting to get support from who you know ah! instead of realizing God will prepare some people you don't know to support you. Yeah, uh -uh, I need y'all to get there. You are so busy trying to get support from people you do know, not realizing that some of your greatest support is going to come from folks that have never met you, never shaken your hand, never even dealt with you, but they recognize you. They can look at David and say, that's Dave right there. That's the king right there. <laughs> you got me? So God says, listen, to make up, please listen to me. I didn't say this at the 915. To make up, David, for your lack of brothers. Because if you read David's story, David's brothers, they gave him hell. They talked about him. He's like, I'm going to go fight Goliath. You always trying to do something, David. You always trying to start something. You always have. Listen, to make up for what your brothers weren't, I'm going to give you somebody that ain't your blood that's going to love you better than your blood. I need you to say, I need you to open your mouth and say, Eleazar's on the way. And here's what a brother will do. A brother, when you're wrong, will fight you. A brother, when you're wrong, will cuss you out. Come on, let's be real. A brother, when you're wrong, will let you have it and then get up and go eat with you. Why? Say, say, Eleazar's on the way. This is so powerful, right? Because he says, first thing you need, David, is the word. <laughs> Second thing you need, David, is you need somebody to make up for the deficits of your bloodline. So that way you don't feel like you're missing nothing. <laughs> I wish y'all would listen to me. That way you don't feel like you're missing nothing. I'm going to give you something better than your brother, David. Better than your cousin. Better than your niece and nephew. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. All right, all right. That's the first two. Say the first two. The third of the chiefs of David's mighty men, he's introduced in 2 Samuel 23, 11. It's on the screen. It says, next to him was Shema. Say Shema. Samar's name means astonishment. He's the son of a G, the Herorite. Now, if I had time, which I do, so I'm going to work it. Herorite means mountain man. A G means fugitive. Now, I need you to catch this. So you wouldn't expect to be astonished by somebody that lives in the mountains. Why? In that day, in that culture, they were considered people that were only agricultural but not intellectual. Let me see if I can say it another way. 
you're going to be astonished by this other one because they're going to be the one that you didn't think was going to give good support. Because where they come from and what they're running from don't match where you're headed. Ah! Where they come from and what they're running from don't match where you're headed. But God says, I'm going to give you a shema. I'm going to astonish you because I'm going to send some support. And what did he do? The Bible says there was a day where the Philistines, that was the enemy of God's people. They came together at a place where there was a field full of beans or lentils. Israel troops fled from them, but Shema took his stand. Look at me. Shema, when everybody else left, who stood? Shema. That's why you're astonished. Because Shema's background would suggest he might run. Why? He's a fugitive already. <laughs> You're going to be astonished because when everybody else leaves you, Shema's going to be like, what are we doing? Where are we going? How are we going to make this happen? Let's do it. Come on, you're still the king. Come on, you're still David. Everybody open up your mouth. Say, Shema's coming over. Uh-uh, y'all ain't saying it like you mean it. Come on, put your hands down and pull it in. Say, Shema coming. But Shema did what? Took his stand in the middle of the field. He defended it and struck the Philistines down. Look at this. He defended it. What was it? Something that David owned. So he just didn't defend David. He defended the stuff that David owned. You need people in your life that are going to treat your stuff like it's their stuff. Y'all ain't going to talk to me. Have you ever been around people and you got really ticked off because you had to just come to the realization, you know what? You just don't give a doggone about my stuff. Proof you don't give a doggone about it is because you ain't done nothing about it. Watch me. God's going to send you a Shema in the next six months. That's going to treat your stuff like that. They're going to treat what you got like it's theirs. So when you're like, when you start treating it like it ain't nothing, they're going to say, wait a minute. Oh, we got to do that better. We got to treat that better. He treated David's stuff like it was his. And watch me. He defended it. Say he defended it. To defend what's mine is to defend me. And some of you, your whole life, you've had to stand by yourself, defending yourself. And here, yes, God was with you. But let me prophesy to your next six months. God's about to send the Shema. So when you're standing, it ain't just going to be God with you. You're going to have some flesh and blood that's going to say, wait one minute. And look, and then what else he do? He struck the Philistines down. In other words, he said, listen, you don't get to be an enemy to David and still be standing in front of my face. Let me tell you how you know who's really with you. If they report what somebody said to you and do not report what they did to shut it down, that's an enemy. That's an enemy. Stop praying. I'm just praying for this sermon. God just revealed to you what they were. Don't you give me no report. You don't work for NBC. You don't work for CNN. Well, so-and-so said this. I don't really care what they said. I want to know what you did to smack the... I, I want to know what you did to strike it down. Because if you ain't helping me fight, you're helping me lose. And I'm not losing in the next six months. Say, say, I'm not losing in the next six months. He said, oh, no, not only am I defending David's stuff. Come here. You need some. Okay. It's 1115. You need somebody that love God. But still. Y'all don't know about that. You need somebody that love God. But I said, listen, I will whoop you in the name of Jesus. I will handle you in the name of the Lord. I don't think you want none. Have several seats. I'm, I'm not encouraging violence. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not encouraging violence. I'm not. I'm not. But they should. Listen. Listen. If people feel comfortable, please listen to me. If people feel comfortable 
around people that you love, excuse me, if people that you love, excuse me, feel comfortable around people that don't love you, something is wrong. She says with it like this, something, 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 something just ain't. Doom, doom, doom. Do, 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 do. Do, 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 do. That's all to call. Y'all be ready. I'm just joking. Watch, watch. And look at the rest of the verse. And the Lord brought about a great victory. So notice, notice, everybody look at me. Notice how many chiefs does David have? Three. Say tripod. Now, let's check this out. If you get rid of one, it's going to be hard to stand up. This is why people quit stuff they shouldn't quit. Because they don't have a Shema, an Eleazar, and a Jashubi. You got Pookie, Ray, and don't nobody know her real name. And not knocking Pookie or Ray. Everybody get what I'm saying? Everybody understand what I'm saying? Listen, so if you get with a two, now, no matter what you do to try to balance, and you eventually wear out just trying to keep you up. Because remember, David, you're not just fighting for you. You're carrying the kingdom. You're not just fighting for you. You are carrying the kingdom. You are not just dealing with you. You are dealing with the kingdom. Somebody said, this is bigger than me. Because what the enemy really wants to do is get you off your assignment so that the kingdom suffers. So that the church now has to deal with a problem and deal with issue. Y'all ain't going to talk to me. He wants you to be out of place so now somebody's life's not changed. But I need you to open every mouth and say, the devil is alive. So he has three, right? So if you get rid of the last one, there's no way for him to stand. Everything he does, it look, 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 it lasts for a minute. Then it what? Falls. This is how some of y'all feel like everything was good. But you didn't have support. But let's go back to that verse. Because it says, and the Lord brought about a great victory. Remember, we read prior, it says, and the Lord was with him. David went from greater to greater, which means what? Battle to battle. So really, David had more than a tripod. Because there's the fourth man. Come on, y'all. Come on, y'all. Say there's a fourth man. The fourth was God. Which is why if you're going to be king and priest, come here. Revelation 5.10, and God has made us to be kings and priests, successful and spiritual. I don't just need a tripod. I need something that can hold all of me. I need something that can hold my spirituality and my success. I need something that can watch me pray and slay. I need something that can watch me do well in business and do well in ministry. I need, come on, y'all. I need something that can hold all of me. And I'm going to tell somebody in the next six months of this year, you better get ready. Why? Because you're finally going to be able to... You're finally going to be able to say, I see some results. I see some progress. I need you to open up your mouth and say, there's a fourth man. Saul's first day, though, isn't like David's. It's not. Saul's first day isn't like David's. Say it's not like David's. Because David, we just read how he started. He got a tripod, and then God says, oh, and don't forget, Dave, I'm with you. 
<laughs> Which means, David, I don't care who comes against you. I don't care what they try to do. David, sit down. That doesn't mean be inactive. That just means don't trip. That just means why you all worked up? Why, why, why are you stressed out? Come on, I'm preaching to me and you right now. Why are you stressed out? Why are you worried? Why? David, didn't I carry you these last 14? David, didn't I get you out last time? I need you to sit down. What does that mean? And he has seated us. I feel like preaching. He has seated us in heavenly places with Christ Jesus, which means I'm not going to be stressed out because God's on it. And I got the support I need. <laughs> Say, I have the support I need. Saul doesn't, though. On Saul's first day, look at the screen. On Saul's first day, we discover Saul went to his home at Gibeah. Remember, he's the what? First king. David is the what? Second king. So David has the ability to learn from Saul's mistakes and failures. Look at me, everybody. Sometimes you say, I just didn't know. There's books. There's the Bible. There's all types of things that can teach you. Stop thinking you have to learn from experience. Learn from somebody else's. I don't have to recreate the wheel. Tell me, oh, that's what happened for you? Got it. I ain't doing that. Oh, that's, the, that's how that spirit looks? Got it. Now I recognize game, recognize game. Y'all ready? All right, look, Saul doesn't have that. So, because most of us, when we heard these messages about Saul, we said, Saul, my God, how could he do that? But I want to show that maybe this has been us in some areas. And went with him men of valor whom heart God touched. Valor means courage. Say courage. But who made them that way? God did. I need you to catch that. They weren't naturally that way. For God to change somebody, look at me, that means I got to wait on the process. So Saul now, he can't go conquer because he's busy waiting on them to get they stuff together. And for many of you, there's been areas of your life where, watch me, you had people who it wasn't naturally in them to be that way or in them to give you the support you needed. How do you know? Because they never did it without being prompted. The Bible said, out of the abundance of the heart does the mouth speak, which means, watch me, your, your, your words and your actions should match what's in your heart. So how do I know what's in your heart? I watch your words and your actions. And which one speaks louder? Your actions. Because we all make mistakes. Got it? But there's a difference between a mistake, watch me, and malevolent deception. What's malevolent deception, Bishop? It means you know that in your heart. You just, you just paint your actions. Ooh, it's quiet. And he went with them, men of valor whose hearts God had touched. So that means the first group of people Saul is surrounded by is people who it's not their natural disposition to do what he needs. Eleazar's natural name meant to help. Jasso Beam's name simply meant a warning and an announcement. Shema's name means these things. Notice how Saul's guys aren't even named. They're not named because Saul's rule from jump is set up. Can we be honest? Come on, let's have an honest moment. How many of you, you look back on areas of your life and you'd be like, if I'm honest... From Jump Street, that thing was not set up for me to succeed. My hand up. Look. Look at who else is with him. But some worthless fellows said. So now look who he's surrounded with. He ain't surrounded by mighty men. He's surrounded 
by mighty mice. And I'm a man, not a mouse, so I need a man. I need the same level of strength to surround me. Because other than that, dealing with you will wear me out. Look at me. For many of you, you've not been worn out from the battle. You've been worn out from who you were battling with. Your fight didn't tire you. Who you had fighting with you is what tired you out. I'm going to back that thing up, and I'm going to drop it like it's hot, and I need you to tell them that it's good to you. Listen to me. For some of you, your battle didn't actually tire you. Battling with who you had with you is what made you tired. Some worthless fellow said, how can this man save us? So what's the first thing they do? They disrespect Saul's seat. Saul is the king. This is first day on the job. David's got mighty men. You know why he learned that and where he learned that? Watching Saul's mistakes. He said, Saul, listen, sir, I learned from you because you had some suckers around you. Look, but some worthless fellow said, how can this man save us? They disrespect his seat. By the way, they're saying this in front of him. Sometimes you pray for discernment and you don't need it. You just need to listen. No, just give me discernment. I'll get, just, did you listen? Play the conversation back. Look at me, everybody look at me. Pay attention to their facial expressions. Pay attention to how they responded when you said certain things. I learned to watch a room and then mark it. I'm doing it right now. I learned how to watch a room and mark it. And say, oh, got it. Good, 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 good. This is not even worth a battle because it's a distraction. I just need to put my energy where it needs to go to win the battle. Got me? Some worthless fellow said, how can this man save us? And they despised him. What does that mean? They talked about him in front of his face. And they brought him no present. Samuel had just finished telling them, if you read the prior chapter, this is how you honor the king. On his first day, everybody bring him a present. The worthless fellows didn't come with nothing. Congratulations. Congratulations. Congratulations on the throne. Congratulations. Congratulations. They didn't bring him anything. And look what Saul did. He held his peace. Look at me. You look at that and say, come on, go hold your peace. Go over to God. That's nothing to shout about. Because what Saul did is he, look at me, he taught them precedent. What's precedent? Precedent means I set a standard based on how I handle something. So Saul set the standard, it's okay to be around me and disrespect me. Come here. Saul set the standard, it's okay to be around me and talk about me. Saul set the standard, it's okay to be around me and disrespect my seat. Some of y'all better learn how to tell people, you know what? Thank you for revealing who you are, but it's time for you to get to step. You better get a Martin Lawrence and get to stepping. Because now all the other worthless fellows got emboldened. I'm going to preach this 11:15. All the other worthless fellows were like, since he didn't cut them, he ain't going to cut us. Since he didn't get rid of them, he ain't going to get rid of us. And some of y'all need to do something just to make an example out of certain people. Don't you come up in my life with that mess. Y'all don't like this preaching. Okay. So Saul's insecurity is fueled by his inner circle. Because he's got people around him. Let me have those three from, from, from 915. Come on, come on. Real fast, y'all. All right, thank you. So here's the deal. Say inner circle. Okay, y'all lock me in. No, lock. There you go. Okay, all right. See, look. Everybody look at me. See, your inner circle reinforces what's right and wrong. What do you mean? See, I can't get out. I can't escape. 
So Saul's insecurity never got an opportunity to be lifted. Some of you who you call your support is actually, can I say it like I want to? It's actually the reason you don't have the results you want. Because they support your insecurity. They don't check you for it. Oh, honey. Oh, honey. And that's nice. That's cute. But sometimes when you're dealing with a king, everybody's got a king and a fool in them. The one you speak to is the one that answers. So sometimes you got to say, listen, I know you're feeling weak, but I'm going to need you to come on here and man up. Oh, girl, child. I know what you're dealing with. Ooh, it's rough. Come on, let's just go eat. Well, I hope while you're eating, they tell you, now listen, I know you're having a rough day, but you've been through too much hell. I have walked with you through some of this hell, and this is not going to be your end. This is not going to be how you go. I know you may not want to hear what I say, but I'm sent to support you, not coddle you. I'm sent to help you, not hurt you. So even if you don't like what I got to say, I'm going to say it. And I'm going to be there with you. Because, look, this is what Saul has. He's locked in. But look at what David has. David, David's surrounded by mighty men. Look, notice how they all stand there. They're standing ready to win. And I pray that in the second half of this year and in this decade, you be surrounded by an Eleazar, by a Jashobi, and by, uh, and by the, folk, the Shema that you need so that you've got strong support. Somebody say strong support. Strong. Say it again, please. Say strong support. Strong. Do you notice I didn't have to tell them to stand like they were ready to fight? Y'all see how they're standing? I didn't have to say, now everybody put your hands together and look like you're ready to fight. Mm -mm. Because strong support, once you train them once, they got it. Strong supports, once you say it one time, they already got it. They already know. I didn't come to play, I came to make it happen. And I came to tell everybody under the sound of my voice, you better get ready because you're going to have some folk in your life like this, some strong support. Thank you all. David's last words, I got to finish this word, are about who's around him. On, on the deathbed, look what David says. 2 Samuel 23 and 6. But worthless men mm, are like thorns that are thrown away. Notice, David's last words on his deathbed are a warning about worthless men. Saul ended because of worthless men. David warns against worthless men. So if everybody thinks this is a nice word, this is nice, but, you know, I'm just going to keep my, I'm not going to do nothing with, okay. All right. Look, they're like thorns that are thrown away. They can't be taken in your hand. What does this mean? Holding on to them only hurts you. Because they don't feel bad about not being strong support. They ain't feeling no type of way. You sitting here mad and stressed and angry, and they going to eat. They having a great time. And you're like, didn't we agree? And they're like, oh. Okay. Verse 7. But the man who touches them arms himself. I should have saved this message for a Wednesday. (laughs) But the man that touches them arms himself with iron and the shaft of a spear. What does that mean? You won't spend your time fighting to win. You'll spend your time fighting them. So you'll be talking, ooh, Bishop, I've been fighting two people. That's why the results you want to see, you don't see. Because who you've been fighting has been the worthless thorns you've been holding on to. And you get through a week of argument and fussing and fighting, and you're like, ooh, what a blessing. 
And then you look at what you accomplished. Nothing. The house is dirty. Car dirty. Clothes dirty. Ceiling fan dirty. You're riding dirty. Listen, it's all kind of thing. Right? Look, look. And they are utterly consumed with fire. Worthless men burn down what you build. They will take one little piece of information and distort it to try to burn down what you build. Because a worthless person, look at me, this is what the Bible calls them. A worthless person doesn't care what they burn down. They don't care how long it took you to build it. They don't care the time it takes you to put into it. Because a worthless person says, why does he have it? Why does she have it? Why she got that? Why does he have that? And I need you to make this declaration and say, because I'm favored. Let's be honest. Most of the stuff people hate on you for, you didn't even ask for. Most of the stuff people talk about you for, you're like, I didn't even ask for that. God did that. And I need you to stop apologizing for God's favor. On the count of three, I want everybody to holler favor. One, two, three, favor. One, two, three, favor. One, two, three, favor. Let's wrap this word up. So Proverbs 6 and 12, what is a worthless man? By the way, that's the title of today's message. You are not a worthless man. Somebody say, I am not a worthless man. It's so important you understand that your wins are not just about you, but who's around you. Please hear me. Please hear me. It's not just about you. It's about who's around you. Say, my wins are not just about me, but about who's around me. So Proverbs 6 and 12, a worthless person, a wicked man goes about with crooked speech. What does that mean? A worthless man lies and double speaks. Stuff that is patently false, they'll say. They'll say, did you see Bishop with that black and red shirt on? When, on Sunday the 21st? Yeah, you saw that? You must have didn't see what I saw. I saw a white and a blue shirt. Yeah, the Holy Ghost. Mm. Holy Ghost ain't told you nothing. He had on a blue and a white shirt. Then they double speak. They'll say two things that don't match one another at the, sa at the same sentence. I'm your friend and I'm with you, but you need to understand that I'm their friend too, and just because they don't like you don't mean I can't be friends with them. Oh, so you an ambassador. <laughs> you work in diplomacy. Are you getting a check for all your diplomacy? Verse 13. He winks his eyes. Look at me. That means he's intentionally indirect. Say intentionally indirect. A worthless person is never direct about what they're saying. They're indirect. And when they are direct, it's passive aggressive. So they'll tell you to your face, oh, I'm just so excited. Oh, my God, we have an amazing friendship. Oh, my God. And then 10 minutes later, you'll get a text. Yeah, we ain't friends no more. Or they don't even tell you that. They just unfollow you and you have to figure it out. Look at me. They stop responding to your text. You just have to figure it out. He signals with his feet. What does that mean? The, his feet. <laughs> he signals with his feet. That means his actions don't match his words. So they'll say, they'll say, listen, I just, look, I got your back. I got your back. I got your back. I got, I got your back. I got your back. Knife in hand. I got your back. I got your back. I got your back. I got your back. I got, I, I got your back. That ain't me doing that. We need to go into prayer. Be careful who you pray with. They might be trying to make you pray. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? 
Thank you. Their actions and their words don't match. Look, then they point with their finger. What does that mean? Everything is a blame game. They never accept responsibility for anything. Nothing's ever their fault. Literally, literally, no, nothing is ever their fault. Oh, well, I wasn't clear on the direction. Well, you should have asked. I wasn't clear what you meant. You should have asked. I wasn't confused when I said it, so if you were confused when you heard it, you should have asked. I can't be in your head. I, I can't live in there. It's too messy. I need a clean head to live in. Come on. <laughs> Y'all with me? Number 14, or verse 14, excuse me. With perverted heart devises evil. How do I know what's in their heart? I look at what their actions were. Look at me. Many times, what people will do, say perverted heart. They'll twist it and shape it to be different than what it really is. And we got to be careful with this perverted heart. Y'all still with me? You've been blessed online? If you've been blessed online, just, just say yes, Lord, oh, like. I know this was a meaty message because the series is almost over. So I got to get the meat at the end. But it's, it's like big old pieces of steak in your chili. Come on. And then wash it down with some white bread. Come on. With, with a perverted heart, he devises evil. What does this mean? Evil means against you. They will do stuff that's against you while at the same time telling you they're for you. Okay? Look, they continually sow discord. What do you mean? They start stuff. It's like the game of telephone with them. You tell them to tell somebody something, or you tell them something, it's never going to be what it's supposed to be. Why? Because they thrive on discord. And it's just, I don't know. That's just what I was told. That's just what I was told. I don't even know. What are you talking for? Their calamity will come upon them suddenly, and in a moment they will be broken beyond healing. How does God handle worthless men? Say, I'm not a worthless man. All of a sudden, boop. Look at me, everybody. I'm going to give you a place to shout. Then we out of here in 45 seconds. Y'all ready? Have you ever seen people just quickly fall out of your life? Let, let me tell you what God did. He protected you from a worthless man or woman. How do you know, Bishop? Because suddenly they were out. Suddenly they were gone. And God said, I'm trying to send you a signal. I got them out of your life quickly because they were trying to burn down what you were building. They were trying to tear up what I was doing to you. Then I need you to prophesy to your future. Say in the next six months, strong support's coming my way. Well, I pray that today's life-giving message has spoken life into your life. I'm Bishop Foreman, pastor of Harvest Church. And at this time, I want to extend an opportunity to you to give your life to Jesus Christ. You know, 2,000 years ago, God stepped in a body. That body was called Jesus. That body got on a cross and died for our sins. Now, sins are things that we do that don't please God. And they ultimately don't please God because they ultimately are very harmful and dangerous to us. Not only did he die for our sins, he died so we could have life and life more abundantly. Here's what that means. That not only do we experience God's best, but that we can speak life into other people and use our lives to change the lives of other people. And today, if you need to become a Christian for the first time, the Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved or born again or become a Christian. All those phrases mean the same thing. And if today you were far from God, this is your opportunity to reconnect to God. I love him because uh, he's not the God of a second chance. The truth is, is we've all used our second chance already. He's the God of another chance. He offers us constant new beginnings and fresh starts 
to get things right for him. He gave his life for us so that we could give our lives for him. So today, if you need to become a Christian or recommit yourself to Jesus right there where you're at, I don't care where you're listening to this message, I want you to say this with me. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for dying in my place. Because of this belief and because of this confession, if this is my first time praying this, I am now a Christian. If I was far from you, I am reconnected to you. Great days are here for me. Today is the beginning of the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, you are now a Christian. You're born again. You're saved from yourself. And if you were far from God, you're reconnected to God. And here's what I want you to do. Take out your mobile phone and text the word DECISION to the phone number 59769. And when you do... I'm going to send you a message right away that's going to show you how to make Christianity your lifestyle and not just a hobby. And here's what I want to encourage you to do. You are connected to me and connected to Harvest Church for a reason. It's because this is the place God wants to speak life into your life. This is the place God wants you to grow and become a strong Christian and and serve and change the lives of other people. So stay connected, whether it's at a physical campus or a digital campus, stay connected to Harvest Church. Keep receiving this word and let it speak life into your life. Hope you have a phenomenal day. Hey, congratulations. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10, that's V-I-A-T-O-R-10, for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator.